Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you today, right before Thanksgiving. And uh, I thought since we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving, it'd be very important for us to talk about how we can avoid drifting from our faith. You know, as you drive down the road, I am so thankful that they have those things on the side of the road, the rumble strips, right? Uh, So you start drifting off the road, you hit one of those strips, and it kind of alerts you that you have drifted. Now, would it be neat if we had that happening in our lives spiritually, that the Lord would have something to awaken us, say, hey, man, you're drifting, you're dozing off, get back on the right track. (laughs) Well, today, let's talk about how we can avoid drifting in our faith. In Genesis chapter 12, we learn that Abraham and his family are in big trouble. There's a famine in the land, and and Abraham's got to find a way to provide for his family. So what does he do? He packs up the camels, and he moves to Egypt. Well, his wife Sarah is very beautiful, and so he says to her, Hey, honey, when we get to Egypt, tell Pharaoh you are my sister. And he has this rationale in his mind, and and he reasons that don't mention the wife thing, because if they find out that we're married because you're such a babe, uh, they will kill me in order to have you. Well, they arrive in Egypt, and Abraham is treated extremely well, kind of like a long-lost friend coming home. He was given sheep, and he was given cattle, and he was given servants. Well, obviously. The reason Abraham was treated so well by Pharaoh is because Pharaoh had intentions of marrying Sarah. And what better way to get in good with Sarah as by being kind to the brother? I mean, kind of like a down payment for this beautiful woman. But God was not happy with this deception. You know, he never is. And he so inflicted Pharaoh and his household with a serious disease. Now, we're not sure exactly what it is, but it was pretty nasty. I mean, nasty enough to get Pharaoh searching for why this is happening. Why am I so ill? Well, he quickly discovers that Sarah is Abraham's wife, not his sister. And so he says to Abraham, why in the world did you do this? Have you lost your mind? I'm being punished for taking your wife when you told me she was your sister. And you thought your family was strange, right? Well, Abraham is speechless. So Pharaoh says, take your wife, take all your belongings, and get out of here. I don't ever see you again. So Abraham becomes a gypsy, a drifter, traveling from one location to another. In spite of drifting around, he was still able to amass a fortune of gold and silver and livestock. After drifting around, he finally ends up where he got started. He ends up at Bethel. Oh, yes, Bethel, a sacred place that later became a city, 10 miles just north of Jerusalem. And Bethel means house of God. When Abraham first built an altar to the Lord, it was at Bethel. Bethel is a place where he worshiped God and God spoke to him. Uh, That's why even today, a lot of churches are named Bethel. Well, Abraham calls upon the name of the Lord. He was drifting, but he's finally back on track. Yes, back on track. Oh, and did I mention he had a nephew 
whose name was Lot. Lot was moving about with him. Lot was drifting with him. And he also had lots of flocks and lots of herds and tents and stuff. In fact, the land was having trouble supporting all of this prosperity. Lot's servants are starting to fight with Abraham's servants. And oh, oh, another conflict. They fought when they had nothing. And now they're fighting because they had too much. Now, here's an important point. Even in times of drifting, you may still prosper. Oftentimes we think, well, I can't be drifting too bad. I can't be too far off track because things are still coming together for me financially. I mean, I haven't had to declare bankruptcy. Uh, The bills are being paid and, and it seems like I'm being blessed financially. As you think about that, Drifting sometimes can give us a false illusion that we're doing okay just because financially we're okay. But you know, life is full of conflict. And it's not just in your family. It's in my family. It's in all families at one time or another. We discover that this conflict between Lot and Abraham was because of too much prosperity. Have you ever heard of the term affluenza? I had never heard of this term until a few years ago, but it's actually a psychological term using two words, affluence, affluence, and flu. So affluenza has symptoms that includes having money, lots of money, having so much money that you're able to buy your way out of trouble. It's having things, lots of things, lots of money. It can be caught by people who have so much money They've never had to be responsible for their actions. They have never had consequences for their bad behavior. Affluence was actually used in 2013 as a defense by an attorney representing a wealthy 16-year-old. This 16-year-old was being tried and should have received a 20-year sentence, at least, for killing four people in a drunken driving accident. Yes, it's true. Prosecutors asked for a reduced sentence for their client because he suffered from affluenza. They even found a psychologist who testified for a reduced sentence stating that affluenza caused this 16-year-old to drink and drive. According to the psychologist, the boy never learned that sometimes you don't get your way. He had cars and he had freedoms that no one would be able to handle. This might be a laughing matter if it hadn't actually happened, but it did. After the case, several psychologists told the Associated Press that this was clearly not a real diagnosis that should be used in court. The simplest term one should have used is that he was a spoiled brat. Well, the Texas teen served very little jail time, but is now on probation for four counts of intoxication manslaughter. And he may have got himself, however, in more trouble because we learned that he continued on with some other problems. A video actually was showing that he was extremely intoxicated. And uh, and as a result, uh, he committed another crime. So when we think about this issue, of where Lot and Abraham find themselves. Prosperity had brought them 
problems. Abraham, Genesis 13, 2 says, became very wealthy. Now, Abraham didn't catch affluenza, but his nephew Lot did. And it says, in livestock and in silver and gold, it says that they went from place to place until they came to Bethel, the place between Bethel and Ai, where the tent had been earlier, and where he had built that altar. Abram calls upon the name of the Lord. Lot was moving about with Abraham. He also had a lot of flocks, a lot of herds, and a lot of tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. Their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together, and the quarreling rose between Abram's herds and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. Well, let's talk about drifting. You see, it's so simple to drift from our faith. The first sign that we see when we're drifting from our faith is that we have struggled with this resolving conflicts. And here we see Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen, and they're fighting with each other. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites, they're also living in the land at that time. You see, conflict on the outside is often caused by conflict on the inside. You see, Abraham was drifting in his faith, and Lot was drifting in their faith, and it now is becoming manifested on the outside. It's coming to the surface. James actually addresses this when he says, where does wars and fightings come from among you? Don't they come from your lust, that war with inside you? You see, the issue is not, will there be conflict? The issue is, will I choose to deal with it? Or will I choose to ignore it? I can deny it or I can run from it. So step number one in dealing with conflict, hey, can we talk about this? When we refuse to deal with the conflict, the drifting actually begins. And we actually create drama because we haven't dealt with the issue. You know, an article that I read not too long ago out of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram reports about firefighters in Genoa, Texas. And these firefighters were accused of deliberately setting more than 40 destructive fires. And when they got caught, they stated, well, we had nothing to do. We just wanted to get the red lights flashing and the bells a-clanging. The job of the firefighters is to put out fires, not to start them. And the job of Christians is to help resolve conflict, not to start more of it. And here we discover no conflict resolution. And the conflict is getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, it comes to a head. Now, if Abraham had not been drifting in his faith, drifting in his relationship with Lot, he would have dealt with this much sooner. You see, conflict resolution produces unity. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus gives us some really good teaching on conflict resolution, and he says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. In other words, if you ignore this, if you're drifting, uh, you're not going to deal with this disunity, but when you finally deal with it, then you're able to have unity. So Abraham said to Lot, and we're going back to the text, and Abraham says, now, 
let's not have quarreling between you and me, between your herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Uh, Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Here we see a very specific example of how this conflict is going to be resolved. Now, Abraham didn't say, hey, listen, we got a problem here without a solution. He says, listen, there's quarreling going on here. We can't deny that anymore. We can't be like the ostrich putting our head in the stand. There is a problem between your herdsmen and mine, and we're close relatives, so let's work this thing out. And so he's very specific, and he's also very considerate. He says, let's not part company in disunity. Let's do this thing in an orderly way. If you want to take the left, I go to the right. If you want to go to the right, I go to the left. Very considerate. So one of the marks that you're drifting is that you're not resolving conflict. When you begin to resolve conflict, then you get back on track. Number two, when you're not resolving conflict and, and when you're drifting your, in your faith, uh, you're not dealing with selfishness. So a way to stop drifting is to remove selfishness. Let's go back to the story of Abraham and Lot, Genesis chapter 13. Lot looked around and he saw that the whole plant of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Now, this is the time before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And Lot's looking around and says, man, uh, I'm seeing over here, and I'm seeing this beautiful garden of the Lord, and, and it's the equivalent of the garden, like the Garden of Eden is what he's comparing it to, and the land of Egypt. So Lot says, I'm going to choose the better for myself. Why did Lot choose the better for himself? Well, according to Ezekiel chapter 16, we discover that ancient Sodom's iniquity was pride. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness. That's what kind of happened in Sodom, as well as being haughty and failing to care for and strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. So we kind of get a a hint as to why Sodom and Gomorrah went down that path of destruction, becoming two cities that were really living in immorality and homosexuality. And we discover that before that happened, and the reason they went down that path is because they got full of themselves. They were well taken care of. They had plenty of bread, plenty of wealth, and a lot of free time on their hands. And as a result, they stopped caring for those who were less fortunate. They became so consumed with themselves. You know, we are told in 1 John chapter 2 that We need to eradicate selfishness, and we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, God has given us five senses, the sense of taste and touch and smell hearing and seeing, and all of these senses by themselves are a gift of God. But as we look at these, these same senses can turn and become an enemy of God. These senses are where Satan will tempt us. The lust of the flesh, 
includes tasting and touching and smelling and hearing, the lust of the eyes and seeing. The pride of life is thinking that you are special because of who you are, what you have, or or what you know, or, or what you look like. You see, the enemy will use these. And he actually uses three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and and the pride of life to entice us to sin. And Scripture shows us how this process is at work, and how it was at work in the Garden of Eden, and how it is at work in all moments of salvation. Now, let's take it back to the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she took thereof, and she did eat. So here we see the woman, that is Eve, saw that the tree was good for fruit. All right, that's appealing to the lust of the flesh. You see, the enemy doesn't always tempt us with things that are bad. Sometimes he tempts us with good things that bring about a self-gratifying effect. It was also pleasant to the eyes. Ah, that's the lust of the eyes. And it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. Of course, we all know the rest of the story. Selfishness produced this immediate gratification, but then it leaves us empty. You know, selfishness produces happiness, but it's temporary. Selflessness will produce long-term joy. That's why Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it goes back and it says that Lot looked around and he saw that the whole plain of Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, this land before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now, now the people of Sodom were more wicked and more sinful and greatly against the Lord. It's kind of a sad commentary when we look at Lot. He made a selfish decision, and it brought about immediate happiness, but in the end, it brought about destruction. When we think about drifting, when we drift, or we want to stop drifting, we got to start resolving conflict. We got to remove selfishness. And there's something else that you got to do. If you don't want to drift, you got to rely on God's promises. Going back to the story of Abraham Lot, we're now in Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 15. It says that the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had departed from him, He said, look around from where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see, I will give to your offspring forever. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre in Hebron, and he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. Now, it looks like Abraham had lost in his deal with Lot. I figured that Abraham must have been a, a little bit set back that Lot, uh, his nephew who owed everything to Abraham, 
Why would he choose the best for himself? You talk about biting a hand that feeds you. And here we see that's exactly what Lot did. But what was God doing? God was teaching Abraham to worship, especially when it feels like you have lost confidence in someone. What we trust in is what we will worship. Rely on God's promises. You see, trust produces worship. What I trust in, I will worship. You see, when God delays, his delays are not denials. Lot built no altars for worship. He was trusting in himself to expand his prosperity. That's why he made the selfish choice to take the best. His decisions were based upon what was best for him, not what was best for others or even best for God. In Philippians chapter 3, we are told that we as followers of Christ, who worship the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, should put no confidence in the flesh. You see, we never hear Abraham complaining that he got the short end of the stick when he was wronged by Lot. By right and by law, Lot should have never even been given a choice. That was Abraham's choice. Lot was a carnally-minded Christian. Abraham was spiritually-minded. You know, the Bible talks about the contrast of the mind of Christ versus a carnally-minded person. For to be carnally-minded, that is, minding the things of the flesh, is death. But to be spiritually-minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, minded the things of the flesh, is at enmity against God. For he's not subject to the law of God, neither can be, so that he become those that are in the flesh do not please God. You see, Lot is drifting, and he doesn't even know the danger that he is facing. You see, we never drift into nothingness. He was like the two young men who were fishing above a dam on a river near their hometown. As they were concentrating on catching fish, they were unaware that they had drifted until they were not far from the water that was flowing over the dam. When they realized their situation, the current near the dam had become so powerful, it was too powerful for them to keep their boat from going over. Below the dam, the water was dashing with strong force over great boulders and through great crevices in the rock. Caught by that swirling water under the rock, they never came to the surface. After a day of relentless searching, divers found one body. Then two days later, they found the other. All because these two men out fishing were concentrating more and catching fish, unaware that they had drifted too close to the dam. In Genesis chapter 14, it says that the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Admah and the king of Zebion and the king of Belo, that is Zor, marched out and they drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddam against the king of Elam. And there they were with another king. And as they're going through this battle, we see four kings against five in this great battle. And it says in the valley of Siddam, that was full of tar pits. 
And when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some of the men fell into those tar pits, and the rest of them fled into the hills. Here we discover somebody getting too close to the enemy and being caught up in the enemy. Well, I hope that you join me tomorrow. Uh, We're going to finish up this study tomorrow on how I can stop the spiritual drift in my life. Listen, God doesn't want you drifting. He wants you on a course that is bringing Him glory and bringing Him honor. Tomorrow, would you join me as we see how God steps in and provides. He will do it at just the right time. Well, thank you so much for joining me today in the broadcast. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and I'm so thankful for you listening to the broadcast today. I'm praying that you will have a wonderful day with your family tomorrow. And so, Lord, give us a heart of thanksgiving. In everything, may we give thanks to you because we know that is the will of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us salvation. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us beyond what we deserve. Thank you for being so good to us. We praise you, Lord, for blessing us today. I pray a prayer of blessing upon every one of our listeners today. Keep them safe as they're driving. Uh, Keep them close to you. Protect their families. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. And we say this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.